Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who can't stop celebrating DJ Screw's birthday. Kyle Carpenter, Kyle, how are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's uh, just chopped, screwed, and repeated. Um, no, it's uh, quarantine. Why not? Right? Time is time is a flat circle. It's also irrelevant. Doesn't mean anything except for you, Gerald, because time marches on, and 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 we march closer to uh, me having you know not one but two nephews. So I'm excited that you got to do the podcast this week. Um, I, I am, I'm not excited that, uh, you know, I, I wanted to hurry up and get here and you to, uh, to have another little guy. Yeah. We're like, I, I booked guests for tonight's podcast saying, Hey, it might just be you and Kyle. Cause my wife is like 39 million weeks pregnant. Uh, her words, not mine. Uh, so like she's just ready. She's just ready for this baby to come. So yeah, I totally get it. So you might next week, my wife, hopefully you'll just hear, uh, Kyle and whoever he's talking to next week. So, uh, but I'm here, I'm here. I've got at least one more in me before I am a father of two, which is just absolutely terrifying to say. So it, it'd been about a month. So it, it felt like time for us to have Mike back on. Mike is one of our favorite guests. And also I wasn't supposed to be here this week if my wife had her way. And Mike is slowly edging his way into just being a regular host of this podcast. So we're back with Mike Roach of 247 Sports, uh, Horns247.com to, to talk recruiting, man. Mike, how are you doing today, brother? I'm good, fellas. How are y'all? I appreciate you for, for having me on as always. Uh, I feel like, I, like I said last time, I feel like I'm a, I'm the call-in fill-in sh- uh, guest, our host for the show. So uh you know, last time Kyle wasn't there, and so uh, this time you weren't supposed to be here, but here I, you are. I, I know. I'm kind of. Uh, I feel like our our you know intimate date here has been has been. I don't want to say ruined, but we just changed the dynamic by by keeping Gerald in here. But it, it's all good because anytime we get the three of us, you know, we just uh, we bring basically between us a quarter ton of justice. So I uh, I like. I like having all this together, all this brain power. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope uh, everything's going well. Quarantine. I don't know. Can we still call it quarantine? Is anybody really quarantining? In other states, I think. Maybe. At one point. I mean, I I would say until I like, I'm going to call it quarantine until they've got a vaccine, basically. That's fair. <laughs> Quarantine until the vaccine. It even rhymes. Get it on the shirt. I, I also went to a major camp this past weekend that had like 200 kids. So, wow. um, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know that I could say I've been quarantined. <laughs> well, we it's... all got to we got to make that paper, Mike. We all understand. You got to work. Yeah. Luckily, I could stay far away. I wore I wore Look, here's my other argument um, for like all the people out there who don't want to wear masks. Uh, and I don't know how political y'all get on this show, and that's stupid. It shouldn't even be a political thing. Like it's it's just right or wrong. But I'm I'm not in great shape. I don't breathe that well normally, and I wore a mask for like nine hours in the Oklahoma sun on Sunday, and like didn't die. So everybody can do it. I live in central Oklahoma, and it, I think the heat index was like 103. And yeah, it, it's 
it was it was a smoker. So I'm I'm glad you you have we have that anecdotal evidence that you'll not you won't die uh, from wearing a mask. But uh, some Texas fans are dying nowadays, Mike. Um, at least based on their Twitter feeds and what what they're saying on the message boards. What a segue. I know, right? I know. It's uh, that's the reason why they pay me the the small bucks. But uh, so all we we weren't surprised by this. We again, we're we're avid readers of what you put out there, and you've been on this podcast enough. Um, but all nine of the Brockermeyer stars went to Alabama uh, this last weekend, and so I think the the big question, and you've you've put out several really incredible articles about it, but like where did where did things go sour for this? Because like this time last year, it felt like it was a completely different story with the Texas offensive line. See, you guys weren't listening to me this time last year then because this time, actually last spring, I went out to All Saints. I talked to to the boys and to Blake and, um, you know, Tommy made a comment to me that at the time was off the record that was, you know, he's like, we're not a slam dunk to Texas. He's like, this Bama thing is legitimate. Like, you know, they worship Nick Saban. I mean, they those are guys are football guys to the max. They love Nick Saban. So, um, you know, he made the comment to me that was last May, probably. So May 2019. And I wrote it and I was pretty new to the beat or not to the beat, but to the full time job. I was pretty new to being the guy at Horns 24 seven. And I actually had somebody from another site call me and say, I had to correct your report today because it was wrong. And I said, how could it be wrong if I was there? And I talked to the kid uh, and nobody else did. So, you know, I got laughed at. I got ridiculed on our board for, for not just chalking him up as a straight. Uh, you know, it was Mike's building up some drama so that when they commit to Texas, it's a surprise. And nah, man, I'm, that's not really the way I do things. I, uh, I just legitimately, they told me then this is going to be a very serious thing when, um, you know, when Texas, when they offered James, I remember Blake telling me like this, it's on now. Like it is, it's going to be very tough for anybody. And, and, you know, they were right. They've been to Alabama a couple times, uh, you know, pro pro development and, and the chance to win national championships were always the major priorities for those two. And, um, you know, they made it very clear to me that while they love Texas, they grew up loving Texas. They, you know, they obviously it's burnt orange, everything in their house. They had to make the best decisions for themselves and, and the best decision for themselves. When you're looking at pro development and a chance to win a national championship, it's not in Austin. It's uh, Tuscaloosa is a good place to start. And, and I'll tell you what, it's not only like Bama, like it, Clemson would have been deep in this thing had they offered James. The problem was they didn't offer James and they were pretty much eliminated at that point. But Clemson would have been another one that would have pushed Texas away to a degree. Texas finished second in this race. If Clemson would have been involved. I, I think they might've finished third. In, in, you know, it's real quick, Daryl and I were kind of talking when it came out and, and neither of us were shocked again, you, you prepped us for that. Thank you. Uh, but we, we did, you know, have kind of the thought that, you know, if there was a different last name on the back of the Jersey, would Texas have even been as high as second from an eight and five team? And, you know, like I, it hurts fans and I get that. I get where they come from, but you know, it, 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 again, like you said, it's, it's, it's Alabama. It's Nick Saban. It, it is a pedigree. It is what it is right now. We have a chance to, to change that. Sure. But it, it takes, you know, the, the results I think drive, um, you know, getting to that. And, and speaking of that, right, the results and getting to there, um, you know, now we see bird trending to SMU. How does Texas get there? What, what does, what does Texas do for offensive linemen in this class? A really good question. I mean, it, it's, the problem is, is right now, if you look like their secondary targets, there are, it's not like they have a bunch of guys lined up that 
we're kind of recruiting this guy and we'll go we'll go harder on him when we lose a primary guy. You know, a guy I've been screaming for is is Ezra Oyatadi, a, a center from Garland Lakeview Centennial, who is a to me just a monster of a player. I really you know, I'm I was woke on James Brockermeyer before anybody. Like I you know, I there were a lot of people that thought he was just the tag along and I thought James is a really good center. Could be um, you know, could be the best center in the state. I think Ezra is every bit as good as him. Um, just a really good athlete. Would love a Texas offer. Texas has been talking to him, but for some reason the offer has not come yet. And I'm a little surprised. I thought um, once the boys committed that Ezra would probably get his offer within the next 72 hours or so, and I don't know uh, what exactly the holdup is there. You know, they're still going to fire for Savian Bird. They're still going to fire for, for Bryce Foster, but I don't see ways where they win those races unless something drastically changes in both of them. Um, so really you're talking about starting fresh going into the fall, identifying new targets. You may have to flip some guys committed to smaller schools. Um, you know, you're in a dogfight and in a position where frankly, it's a place where I don't think Texas can really afford to be at this point. Yeah. And it, again, it seems like everybody, you know, you, you go on the message boards, you go on basically everybody, but you this time a year ago and, and felt like Texas was going to have, and, and I even said this in spots that like Texas could have the strongest offensive line class they've had in a decade. And so it's crazy to think like where things have turned out and where things shook out in, in, a, in a year. Hey man, I'll cop to that. I said last year, I remember talking to another reporter and, and saying, you know, I think, uh, I think Texas, I, I said this time last year, I think realistic chance Texas can get the Brocker Myers and Bryce Foster, Hayden Connor, maybe Donovan Jackson. And then, you know, it's really a decision from there of, you know, who do you cut or who do you not bring into the class? And I said, but, you know, this class is deep enough where I think a lot of the in-state schools can get their classes and, um, you know, it, it, and still be okay. And, and for it to turn out this way definitely caught me by surprise as well. I guess now we, we have to turn to just 2021 as a whole, right? Because offensive line is kind of a weird word milieu, but like there are there are some gaps in this 21 class. And so as as Texas kind of goes into the weirdest, I think I'll go ahead and call it the weirdest recruit, recruiting season we've seen in a long time, if ever. Like what are the battles that we need to be watching uh, going into going into the fall? Um, you know, the things that, that really, if you want to talk about the high profile battles, it's, it's on the defense. It's specifically defensive line. I think we're talking about like a Shamar Turner. Shamar Turner is probably like the most important guy left on the board. I would say at this point, the, the defensive lineman from DeSoto, uh, you make the argument that LJ Johnson, Kamar Wheaton at running back fit into that group. But to me, Shamar Turner is the guy that, that takes, turns this defensive class into, into something that could be really special. Um, outside of, uh, of those guys, you know, it's really just what are they going to do at receiver and offensive line? Because I have no clue. Like, I, I look at the board, and, I, and it's hard for me to see a way. You know, a lot of times we get these things wrong from time to time, and class predictions are hard to do them in advance. But, man, I can remember in 2018, you could just look at the board and – uh, you know, maybe if something special about that class, I feel like we nailed it from the beginning to end with, with exception from a few guys, but it was like Deshaun Jameson, he'll be in it. BJ Foster will be in it. You know, Caden Stearns obviously was a surprise, uh, but like we looked at that board and we're like, just nailing. Yeah. This guy will be in it. I look at it now and I can't tell you who I think is going to be in the class at receiver. I mean, Jaden Alexis is a guy I feel, I feel pretty good about the, the receiver out of Florida. Like I could tell you, I feel good about him outside of that you know, maybe they got a chance for a three-star J.J. Henry. You know, maybe 
maybe they could do something. Maybe they could beat out Arkansas for Keytron Jackson if they really work hard at it. Um, you know, maybe they can flip to Kel Crowdis from Kentucky. But those are all spots where, like, should Texas be in these dog fights with Kentucky and Arkansas? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to look at. And it's especially funny when you look at, when you contrast the way defensive recruiting is going, which I would say they're not, I mean, it's not elite elite, but I mean, they're landing a lot of their top targets. Um, You know, I think they've got most of their top guys in the secondary. Um, They're, they, you know, they've got their linebackers and they're they're trending really high for one of their top guys with, with Terrence Cooks. If they get Shamar Turner, I mean, that class is, is as good as you can imagine for a, a new staff that, that was handcuffed by a pandemic. Handcuffed by a pandemic in an eight and five season, right? Like that, like that defensive class is really incredible. I think from, from, what it could be. Right. And so that's why it's really hard for me. Like I do understand that it's hard for a guy like Andre Coleman to pitch what, uh, what it might be like to be a receiver at Texas when nobody could see it on the field. They couldn't see it in the spring. They haven't been able to visit campus and meet him. Um, you know, it's hard. He's working at a disadvantage, but yet Chris Ash and Jay Valaya figured out how to do it. Coleman Hustlers figured out how to do it. Herb Hand, I don't know what the excuse is for him. Herb Hand's been working this class for three years. And I would tell you that Tommy and James made it very clear to me that their decision had nothing to do with any amount of disrespect for Herb Hand. They they love the guy. In fact, I was told that he probably recruited him better than any assistant. But, you know, the fact remains, he's still responsible for those losses. And, um, you know, he's I, – I can't believe they're in this situation because that was the one position where I was like, okay – Han's been here. He's been working this group for, for two and a half years. Um, you know, this this should be one where I feel confident they're, they'll get guys. And, and also just coming back to that pandemic, I'm just curious. You have an insight that probably a lot of us don't just because you're, you're looking at those boards. You're thinking about this all the time. I mean, we saw A&M's Victory Vodka announced today he's going to skip the senior season enroll in January. It's probably going to be a, you know, a waterfall. We saw it in North Carolina. Um, kind of what's going on there with uh, their their big commit. I mean, is it is this is this change your job? Does this make the game harder, easier, more interesting? Like this to me just feels like a, a whole new, brave new world. I mean, what what do you think from looking at it from the inside? Yeah, it's uh, it certainly is interesting. The thing is, I think it's just gonna be a one year thing, unless sure, sure, you know, obviously, and in, in, God forbid this thing drags on into next year and we have the same cycle with no visits and, and pushback seasons. Um, I think it's going to be a one year thing. I think, uh, you know, we, we reported today that Jameer Johnson, the corner out of Florida is, uh, is planning now to, to do the same thing as victory vodka and enroll early um, at Texas and, and just not play a senior season in California. Funny enough to uh, Texas. I, this is a, here, how about this? This is going to be a Longhorn Republic exclusive because I haven't even written this yet. Um, and I didn't. I don't know that I was ever going to really write anything about it. But there was a period of time where they were um, Hayden Connor like has enough credits to reclassify and could have enrolled like right now um, at Texas. And they they explored it. It literally. I think he actually. I think he would have had to take like one more class, and they couldn't get him enrolled in that class in time. Um, you know, and it was kind of a a thing of like, well, we can push it, but we don't know for sure if you'll be able to, and if not. Since you've gone through with these steps, you also won't be able to play your high school season. So he decided to, you know, just stick with his high school season. But they, they certainly did have some talks about that. But, um, you know, I think uh, I think it's definitely going to make it interesting. You know, a lot of these guys were already declared early enrollees, so we expect it. But, um, you know, the guys reclassifying, that's a whole new ballgame right there. 
the reclassification thing is crazy to me. But again, if if that's the best decision for you, that's that is absolutely the right decision. So, Mike, we we've we've gotten through the 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 recruiting content, and really, why we bring you on to the show is is for the non recruiting stuff because because. You're you're a renaissance man, Michael. Like you you are a man of many tastes and flavors, which we'll come to in just a minute. But the first thing is like we're able to get out more. You're in Oklahoma uh, for this camp, but I know you and the misses have found something new on Netflix. So like, what is what is Mike's Netflix recommendation currently? Okay, so we don't have anything new on Netflix at this time. She's watching murder documentaries like it's going out of style, and I'm worried. Like I'm checking. <laughs> have- <laughs> Have we upped my um, my life insurance recently? And I don't know about it. Um, I, you know, did you you guys ever see Gone Girl? Yeah. yeah. So I read the book before I saw the movie, but I was terrified of her for like a month after that. I was like, she could do all of this, and I'd be so like, there's nothing I could do about it. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of worries me, but she, she's into all the, uh, you know, all those, uh, she watches like, uh, what do they call it? Investigation discovery, the ID channel. I call it the murder channel. Um, it's just literally the murder your husband for his insurance money channel. Um, so we haven't really found anything new on Netflix. I think, I can't remember what I told you last time I was on, was I describing my love for outer banks? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I, nothing's grabbed me like outer banks has, um, outer banks. And it's so like, I feel almost ashamed to admit it because it's such like a teenage show but it's so good like it just it grabbed me it hooked me i we we binged it um we are here's what we're doing right now so we are huge huge 90 day fiance fans um (laughs) and so we've kind of caught like we kind of started later in the run and now we're going back on hulu and watching like some of the older seasons in between watching the live episodes when they come on sunday and monday night but um if you guys have never watched 90 day fiance i'm not gonna tell you it's good i'm not gonna tell you it's educational i'll tell you it's entertaining as hell <laughs> I'm, I'm about to have two weeks of paid parental leave that i'll get to take and not have to do anything my my older son will be with my mother-in-law so i feel like that's probably in the hopper yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, do you guys do? You, uh, have you heard of it? Do you know like the premise of the show? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and it is a lot of times. I'll tell you this. A lot of times, the Americans are the worst people on that show. You know, oh, go figure. Yeah, they're like you know, it's like the the current season has some rich Jewish girl from like New York, and she marries some dude from Ethiopia, or gets knocked up by some dude from Ethiopia, and so she goes over to Ethiopia and is like surprised that he like showers in a bucket, and I'm like, have have you never? It's this is not everything is like where you live. You know, I just it boggles my mind. People don't understand that. So that is, 90 day is what we're on right now. That's what we're crushing. And, and I have a quick clarification because I, I have not seen the show, but I, I know my wife keeps up at least from a from a meme standpoint of what's going on. And I believe the guy, the guy with no neck, I think his name's Big, Big Ed. Ed. Big Ed. Oh, he's, yeah. He's from this show, correct? Big big ad guy, yeah. So for sure. I, I feel like I feel like the most persuasive argument you could make for me is just to tell me, you know, anything about Big Ed because every yeah, every okay. clip I've seen, I'm an, I'm like, yeah, I probably need to watch this guy. Let me break down Big Ed for you. Big Ed is like four foot one. He has some condition to where he has like no neck, and he has like real bad skin, so he has to like wash his hair with mayonnaise. He meets a girl in the Philippines. First of all, he had married like some smoke show back in the day. They showed a picture of her, and then he cheated on her with all of those conditions, right? So he meets this girl from the Philippines, I think, maybe Thailand, one of the two. He goes over, um, and she literally lives in a shed. 
like in a metal tin, like no air conditioning. They, they shower with a hose, the worst conditions imaginable. All he does the entire time he's there is like tell her her breath smells and she's got hair on her legs and all these things. And I believe that he's always operating under the, like I could do anything because she'll just want to get to America. It's better than this. And she, I don't want to spoil it for you, but she ends up thinking I'd, I'd rather go back to the shit. So uh, <laughs> it is quality. The big Ed season was quality. Uh, Darcy is, is one you'll enjoy Darcy and whoever she's dating. She's a woman constantly looking for love and she's on several seasons. And then Angela and Michael are, are uh, Kings hall of famers. I, I, for, for our viewers, you heard it here, guys, go watch a woman choose big shed over big Ed. <laughs> that's exactly what it oh, is. Man. But yeah, that's, that's our stuff right there for sure. I, I really want you to go into each season and do crystal balls. I don't know if that'll make it too much like work, but I think. <laughs> oh would be, man, that, that would, would be, be a great feature. See, my wife do me and my wife do that. Like we lay in bed and we're like, they'll stay together. They, they won't make it, you know? Uh, but I'm bad at that game too. Uh, you know, she used to be a, she used to be a Kardashian fan. I think, I mean, she probably still is, but I, I remember watching one day and t- texting her and going, you know what? I think Chloe and Lamar are going to make it. That's a, that's a really ah. great couple. Ah. So, obviously, I don't have a great crystal ball. In that. The, the one example that stick to sports actually should be applied. <laughs> oh. Okay, so, so the last question, and this is, um, you were embroiled in a little bit of controversy on, on Monday on, on Twitter about wing, wing flavors. Yes, about wing flavors. Um, Nick, oh yeah, Nick came back from Oklahoma, and that, there was some controversy. So I, I need to know. We want to put you on the spot. Like, what are your top five wing flavors, Mike? Like, that's the, the people need so, to know. It's important to start off that I don't eat spicy food. Like, I just don't. I, I have like a, like a stomach ulcer, and I don't handle spicy food well. Like, so I just don't. I don't eat it. Um, so like wing flavors, traditional wing flavors aren't for me. Like I don't eat hot. I don't eat Buffalo. I don't eat any of that. So typically if I'm eating wings, I love like Hawaiian or Polynesian style barbecue. Hmm. Um, like that's, and that's what we got into it on Twitter about because Nick who works for me said, uh, he can't <laughs> trust people who eat Hawaiian wings. And I'm like, well, Nick, I'm a big Hawaiian wing guy. So, um, I love Hawaiian, anything like barbecue pluckers has like a ton of stuff. I love like, um, uh, Baker's gold and like they do a Dr. Pepper. That's pretty good. But anything like that, anything sweet. Um, I really like, but uh, yeah, I just can't eat spicy. That's the biggest thing. Okay, so we'll, we'll give you, we'll give you the health pass on it. Cause I, I really, right. I needed to know. I guess. Right. And I'm a flats guy. Person. If that matters, I'm a flats guy. Okay. I actually respect that. I feel like real wing heads um, will, will be flat since a kid. I've been a drums guy, but I've found in the past, I don't know, year or two as I've, as I've really, you know, true, true wing heads. And my wife, being one of them, have, have educated. Flats are probably the connoisseur's choice. Yeah, I, I think most people would agree on that for sure. If you're looking for a clean set of bones, like like the flat is the way to go. I, I am also there was a there was a tweet a few months ago, and I'm just curious to hear everyone's number. We'll do a quick round robin. If you saw it, it's it's like a one to five scale, with five being you nibble and leave. You know. Uh, I would say a full meal still on the bone and one being that you are slurping down the cartilage almost to the marrow level of how close you take a, a bone, uh, you know, to take the, the, the eating to the bone. Where does everyone here rank on a one to five? Again, one being almost or, or two the bone on cleaning their wings. 
I think I I am like a like a one and a half. Like I'm not the I don't I'm not the like let me let me chew on this knobby end. But I I I am I am the wing police in my house. And if there's too much meat left on the bone, there will be conversations had later. Yeah, probably the same. I think it's disrespectful to leave too much meat on the bone. Agreed. It's disrespectful to that chicken. Agreed. My my, my wife is like a solid three. And she's also not a spice guy, so I understand your Hawaiian wings and your. She, she's very similar to you, but she leaves a little too much meat for me. I'm, I'm a true one. Like I eat cartilage. Like I, I slurp oh. the butt. I remember I was young and I was at someone's house and his abuela had made ribs and I left a a, a absolutely disrespectful amount of meat on the bone and she yelled at me and picked the the rib up and and waved it in my face and said finish. And then showed me how to slurp like off of a rib bone all of the meat. And since that like scarring childhood event, I I will like in case Abuela barges through that door like the Kool Aid Man, I will make sure that there is no scrap of of, of wing or rib or other meat on bone left uh, after I've come through. <laughs> You're snapping tendons out here and sucking marrow. I got it. It's, it's a little too much, Mike. Thank you so much for entertaining our foolishness tonight. But man, if people want more of what you have to offer, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, Mike Roach 247 on Twitter, Horns 247 is where I write things. Uh, the State of Recruiting podcast is where I say things. And um, hockey's about to start, boys. So if you don't like hockey, there's going to be nights where you're going to want to mute my Twitter, especially with this new this new restart because it's supposed to be we're supposed to get hockey like all day. So I'm going to be just planted in front of the TV. Or if you want to learn hockey. Follow Mike. Put his put alerts on for Mike's tweets. Sweet. I don't know that I'm very educational. It's usually just me screaming Jamie Benn or Miro or, you know, any of the stars' names, and that's about it. So. Fair. We appreciate it. Well, Mike, thanks again, man. Uh, go back to 90 Day Fiance. Exactly. That's what we were doing when, when, when this came up. So, yeah, I will for sure. All right. Take it easy, man. So there's not really a 40 to down right now, so we're just going to rattle off some football news uh, and starting with some uh, some – I'll call it bittersweet news. Uh, Cornerback Kobe Boyce announced via Twitter that he is uh, stepping away from football uh, to focus on his mental health. He kind of revealed via Twitter that he has been suffering from depression and kind of dealing with that. So uh, making and taking an opportunity to step away from football, making a really, really difficult decision, which, um, man, we're sad to see him leave for football reasons and and obviously, but uh, as people were, at least I can say I am glad he's realizing he needs help and is stepping away to get the help that he needs. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's ever listened to this podcast for any length of time probably understood where we stand and come down on an issue like this when it comes between real life and football. We will always choose real life. That's always the more important one. And so uh, kudos to uh, to Kobe for making what I'm sure was not an easy decision. Um, wish him all the best. Um, you know, it's a perfect reminder. We follow sports. Uh, we've had that reminder for three months, but uh, again, another reminder that it, there, there are things more important um, and sometimes things more important that literally will shut sports down. Um, so just a, another chance to, to remind everyone, if you need someone to talk to, if you're feeling any kind of feelings there's help out there there's resources it literally makes you significantly more of a man uh or woman uh to step up and say you know what i need a little help here um so just just a reminder to all our listeners uh be like kobe Boyce and do what's best um for your mental health um and and you know there will always be trickle down effects as kobe Boyce will have for the football team but that's really not particularly important at this moment yeah, one one of my life mottos is okay. It's okay not to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's okay 
to have things going on. It's okay to not be a hundred percent. Um, it's just not okay to stay that way. Like that's, that's kind of the tagline to it. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And so I'm really glad that he's realizing that he needs to step away and get help as somebody who has done similar things where I've stepped away from things I really, really love because I, I just could not handle it mentally, emotionally. Uh, you know, my, when my son was born, um, I needed to step away from a lot of things because I needed to support my wife and I was drained as well. So it's like, Hey, I need some time just to me and focus on me. And that's completely okay. Um, and yeah, we will always take the side of the players, but especially when it's something as, um, as important as mental health. And especially I'll just be really honest with you guys don't normally talk about this stuff. It's something that guys don't normally talk about. And and men's mental health is kind of a thing that doesn't always get talked about. And and guys, there's this weird thing where guys don't want to talk about their feelings. And then we all bottle up and wish somebody would ask us how we're doing. So like, it's completely okay. And I'll say this, like if you're dealing with something and you don't have anyone else to talk to, my DMS are open. Like I'm, I am completely here and advocating for like, if you need to talk to somebody, freaking talk to somebody. Cause that's the most important thing. That's, that's a, you're a, a fantastic man and a great man, Gerald. And, and same would go for me. If anyone wants Gerald's way more equipped, he's a way better person than me, but no, uh, same, same goes, but this is a machismo free zone. Um, I mean, I know that's hard to imagine Gerald and I each bench press about 500 pounds, as you can tell. Um, but you know, the, there is no, uh, toxic masculinity or machismo here on this podcast. Be a real man. And, uh, and and say you need help if you need it, you know. Um, but anyways, that's uh, not to not to 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 be you know too downtrodden on this. I I honestly think even though the the roster is one person less, this is a story of good news because um, it's it's people taking um, taking a, a necessary step and and you know you may just have a Longhorn for life who is here who you know in in the worst possible case may not have been otherwise. So uh, I'd much rather have one Longhorn fan for the next sixty years than. Uh, you know, a player for today. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that this is this is a happy story because somebody is getting the help that they need. And and I'll just say I saw <clears throat> former coaches, um, his his uh, former uh, defensive uh, back coaches down at Mississippi State, wishing him the best. Coach Giles, you know, wishing him the best. Uh, I appreciate the coaches again taking that similar stance. I know it's very easy for people. Maybe the, this. COVID time has changed the perspective, especially for football coaches, to be singularly focused and single-minded on wins and results and outcomes. So um, love to see that. You love to see support a team where, where they um, at least you know say and do seems like the right things. There, there are things that are more important than football, but let's we'll talk about the football thing. So the preseason media Big 12 poll came out, and Texas came in at third behind OU and OSU. So uh, OU got 80 of the 90 possible first place votes. I would have voted for them as well. I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, to, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And OU is, at least for now, still the man. Surprising. OSU came in second. They got six first place votes, uh, edging out Texas, who I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I don't know what's more surprising, OSU being ahead of Texas or Texas getting four first place votes you think four is too many i i am i am surprised that texas got four with with no with no spring season and new sure. coordinators i'm surprised at that 
That's fair. I mean, I, I'll say I am more surprised with Oklahoma State. I felt like Oklahoma State was the hipster pick to be like, wait a minute, guys. these They're really good next year. You know, we, with all the, you know, uh, pieces they have coming back, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they could be dated. I thought that was kind of a hipster pick, but I guess I was wrong. I guess that is the mainstream uh, assumption now that Oklahoma State is going to be uh, very good. I was surprised there wasn't some you know, Jackal, who decided to give, uh, like, Baylor or just some contrarian TCU or Iowa State pick somewhere. Um, I, I was glad it was concentrated between the two traditional powers and, and again, probably the, um, you know, potential upside, the, the ceiling um, for for the, the, the next best team in Oklahoma State. I do think that probably Texas should have gotten six in Oklahoma State. Four would have felt better with that. Um I don't know. You know, OU is very good. There's no reason you should pick against them, uh, except for, you know, Senior Sam, uh, Tom Herman, you know, uh, rebounding a little bit from the end of the season from where he was. If you're taking momentum measurements, maybe you carry that through a very weird offseason, and it means a lot this year. I I, I don't know. I I agree that I probably would have – uh, picked OU, but you know, I might just be the contrarian who picked Texas because I don't think they're that far behind. So, I like with the Oklahoma State thing, like Sanders can be really good, I think, mm. if if he's on and they've still got the best running back. I was going to say the best running back in the country. Now, mm. granted, all you analytics folks out there, like running backs don't matter. And I'm like, eh, Chuba Hubbard matters because he's basically the reason why uh, Oklahoma State was, was uh, on the cusp of beating AM and then the defense decided to not show up and Mike Gundy stopped giving him carries in the second half. But that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, so again, I, we, we don't have a vote. We're not actual, we're not real media members, I guess, but um, I would have, I would have definitely gone. OU OU one, Texas two. That's me. But I, I definitely, I think it's more surprising that OU didn't get 90 of 90 votes. I think that's sure. really what, what is surprising to me just because they're, they, they're really good. And, and they still have, I would argue one of the best two coaches in the conference. Like it's hard for me to pick anybody else. Well, all true Texas fans know that Texas hater Kirk Bowles. I'm obviously kidding. That's pure sarcasm. But uh, he, he voted for Reggie Bush. Um, th- that he voted, of course, for OU. Um, but I guess there must be, you know, at least a, a few Oklahoma State media folks who who vote against OU every single year, just out of pure spite and hatred. And this year they had uh, a reason to, I guess, to vote for for their own quite good team. Um, yeah, I would be curious to get a breakdown and see who the the six Texas uh, voters were. Um, you know, I I, I think, that, like I said, I think it's. I think it's probably more to do with Texas's upside than o- OU is terrible. I bet all of those folks had OU uh, pretty close in in a, in a second spot there. But I, I don't have the list in front of me, so I can I can only speculate. Absolutely. Uh, remind me off air to tell you about the time I got banned from Oklahoma State's media for something that happened uh, really weird on a message board. Anywho, so it's a, it's also it's it's award season, preseason award season. So as part of the media vote, the All Big Twelve team is announced. Preseason All Big Twelve team, no surprise. Uh, quarterback Sam Ellinger uh, on the first team, along with offensive tackle Samuel Cosme, one of four unanimous picks. Second team. Joe Osai, Deshaun Jameson, and Caden Stearns all on the second team, giving Texas five players on the list. Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the historical context of this and some of the, the, the past decade who's been on this team. But, I mean, I think it's fantastic. There was 
Um, two guys who very much deserve it in, in Ellinger and, and Cosme. Um, and Cosme getting unanimous is fantastic as well, I think, deserve. Um, I wouldn't sleep on the fact that Texas has three folks on the defensive side of the ball, however. They are on the second team. But I think that's um, I think that's really great. Uh, I, I do think just the fact that they have five, and that's the most the team's had since 20 uh, since 2010 is a good sign. Um, you know, last year they they had one on the defensive side of the ball, so to go from one to three, um, you know, I think I think says something um, about the the quality. And these are all guys outside Jamison Stearns, who've kind of been here in the turnaround uh, turnaround Tom years. So um, these are people that were brought in and were expected to you know bring back put the T back in Texas, uh, tough and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a good sign. And, and, uh, ultimately, uh, again, it probably ties into that previous conversation about because there's some love for that Texas defense this year after how terrible, um, it looked at times, not the whole year, but at times during last season, um, injuries or whatever, uh, caveats aside, um, that might be where some confidence comes for this Texas team. Absolutely. And, when you think about this, like, yeah, second team of preseason All-Big 12, whatever. The 22 players that make the all-defensive team, regardless of first or second team, that's the top 20% of the defensive players in the conference. So mm-hmm. these guys, at least according to the media, are better than 80% of the defenders in the conference. And so, like, having three guys on that is a big, big thing. So watch this season, my favorite Worthless season of the year. Um, Texas has four players that landed. Uh, I guess, yeah, four players that landed on watch list. Keontae Ingram on the Doak Walker Award watch list. Basically, this is anybody that had more than 500 rushing yards a year ago. Uh, Sam Ellinger on the Davey O'Brien watch list. Joseph Osai on the Budkiss watch list. And then Caden Stearns is on the Paycom Jim Thorpe Award watch list. So Texas has some players uh, that pop up on these watch lists. Say it again, Gerald, for the folks in the back who didn't hear you. Who sponsors the Jim Thorpe Award? Uh, that is Paycom. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Paycom. No free ads. Pay us, Paycom. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Right? Those are some names we just repeated uh, from the preseason Big 12 plus Keontae Ingram. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing with the running backs, right? I think the the, the earliest, um, like you said, is a reflection on who had a good year last year versus kind of projecting who's going to be good this year. There's a crowded backfield for Texas, but there certainly is a, a timeline where Keontae Ingram just rises to this challenge of all the talented backs, including freshman B. John Robinson and, and others, right? Many other talents who could potentially carry the rock and, and rises to the challenge and is so uh, offended by the idea of sharing that rock that he has just a truly ridiculous season uh, next year. So I like that timeline where that plays out, where Keontae gets, gets a little snippy, a little possessive, and, and, and shows out in a big way. I mean, if, Ke- if Keontae is good enough to own that running back room, then I think he's good enough to, to at least be in the conversation at some point. If he's good enough to, to put a stranglehold on that position, if he's that much better than, uh, than Roshan, he's that much better than Bijan, and he's good enough to get the, the lion's share 70, 80% of the carries, then like he's good enough to be in that conversation. I think Ellinger on the O'Brien watch list makes sense. I, people outside of Texas fears like to take shots at him because they don't kind of really actually watch him they just watched him his freshman year but like he's right. one he's probably one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country five best quarterbacks in the country sure. um sure size one that's shocking that's shocking but just like oh people recognize how good he is right because he kind of came on late last year and then yeah. obviously Caden Stearns uh is 
is the man, and we will continue to, to uh, be all about Caden Stern. So a couple of quick uh, hitters real quick. The field is now officially, they actually did an introduction with the two men uh, on the stadium name with the players and staff. The Texas field is now officially named Campbell Williams Field. It was good to see those two guys on campus uh, reading it out. Per Anwar Richardson, friend of the show who's probably never listened, uh, linebacker DeMarvian Overshone is in Austin and working out with the team. Uh, after the changes were announced, he made the drive and is now officially working out with the team ahead of our uh, fall-ish camp, whenever that happens. And this was some, some news that came out right before we recorded. An email went out to all the season ticket holders that the stadium will be at 50% capacity in the fall so big uh big changes uh coming at least for the 2020 season the uh the name on the stadium doubled and the capacity cut in half um no i i (laughs) i it's interesting stadium news i'm excited for campbell williams field i i am not necessarily excited if if you're asking me on 7 2020 uh when we are recording this uh if the um even at 50%, I, I don't necessarily want to be in the stands on that um, unless there's some changes in where, you know, public health is in, in a couple months. Um, so we'll see. It is um, a wait and see. Uh, yeah, I believe there's a, a, a Scrubs uh, joke uh, about that, about uh, the wait and see uh, tribe. So I, 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 I'm in firmly in the wait and see camp uh, today. Absolutely. I'm ex- I just, I just, We'll see. There, I know nothing. I'm not smart enough to know anything or comment intelligently on this. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions at all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So I referenced it a little bit earlier when we talked about the preseason All-Big 12 team. Um, obviously, we had some some names that you recognize, but... Uh, this is not, as Gerald and I have commented many, many times, been necessarily the the um, the single most memorable decade of, of Texas football. Um, they certainly have improved um, from where they've been. There were some low points. Uh, you know, the, the Big Twelve Conference still has a you know a Texas feel to it. So there's never been a year, even in our darkest decade. Um, and, and Gerald and I, if you listen back some last year, sometime I believe, actually made the the uh, qualitative case that this is in fact the worst decade of Texas football um, statistically. But uh, you know, uh, from from 2010 to uh, 2020, right? So we're we're looking at the last teams from 2010 to 2019 before this year. Um, as I said, this is the most that we've had with five. There was six back in 2010. That was a pretty good year. Um, but I was looking at some of these names and some, I mean, just ring out when you think and you squint and maybe you're not a, maybe you struggle like me with, with memory, you know, your memory isn't the brightest and you remember certain highlights, but it's like, man, who was our left tackle that year? Or was that, was that 2013 or was that 20? Right. So I was going to be mean and quiz Gerald and see how many of these he could get. Because um, even though, you know, we did have one season where we only had one, most of these years we had multiple people. And sometimes it's just flat out hard to remember even the guys who were, um, who were, were listed here. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go very quickly in reverse order and read some of these guys. And I'm going to skip um, 19 because it was just so recent, but it's Ellinger, Shackelford, and Stearns. Um, 2018, we had two. They were both on the defensive side of the ball. Um, <laughs> one of these in retrospect, eh, it was, it was a bit of a, you know, I could see how you could project it, but did not turn out. Um, Gerald and I ask a question on our weekly podcast 
uh, interview previews that that's probably more suited to this man's um, ideal professional career. But that would be Brecken Hager, um, who who is uh, I think a better WWE wrestler than an NFL prospect. Um, so it was Brecken Hager, Chris Boyd in eighteen uh, twenty seventeen. I think you could probably guess. I think most folks could get at least three or four of these: Connor Williams, Malik Jefferson, Michael Dixon, baby, yeah, um, and uh, Malcolm Roach, um, which was you know understandable there uh 16 is is interesting because it's it's two linemen on here Vahe and Connor Williams coming off you know a really powerful year when we were running the heck out of the ball um and then Malik Jefferson and Devontae Davis so some cornerback representation um including 2015 we only had one Gerald I'm gonna quiz you on this one because it's tough there's only one player on the 2015 team can you name who that one player is Oh my gosh, 2015. I can barely remember it's what tough. 15 minutes ago. Um, I, I, and, and you have a baby on the way. Your mind is a thousand places. I get it. This is tough. Even if I gave you a list of 10, I got nothing. I got nothing. You might not get this. Yeah, nothing it, blank. It, it's, 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 I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know how to cue this up other than, yeah, it was uh, Duke Thomas. <laughs> I forgot Duke Thomas existed. Exactly. So I'm just going to run through the rest really quick because that was my favorite one. We have Malcolm Brown, Cedric Reed, Quandre Diggs made it twice. Trey Hopkins, Jackson Jeffco, Jordan Hicks, Malcolm Brown, Jackson Jeffco again, Alex Okafor, Kenny Vaccaro, Keaston Randall, Keenan Robinson, Blake Gideon. 2010 was a great year. Like I said, we had six. Kyle Hicks, Sam Macho, Keenan Robinson, A.J. Williams, Curtis Brown, and Blake Gideon. Uh, so there's a couple heroes, a couple anti-heroes, and a couple... huh? Forgot he played here, guys. Which again, no shame to any of those guys. It was a tough couple years for UT. Yeah, it, it was. It was not a great, great run. But I, I could name probably a third of those guys. I forgot they existed. Uh, so I'm banging the drum really quickly. On there was a tweet that was going around that was kind of doing. Everybody's bored nowadays. So we're just coming up with who's this list of random things that you could do. And there was a uh, there was a, a tweet about what's a, what's a guy from your rival school that. You hated, but begrudgingly had to respect. And as I went back through recent years, I could not think of one guy from OU that I was like, ah, I respect that guy. Ah, I respect that guy. Because, <laughs> like, the quarterbacks are all, are all D-bags, right? Like, Jalen Hurts was a doofus. Like, working out after a loss in your in your pad, like your pads is super, super weird. You're kind of a goofball. Like, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of any of those guys. So, I, I had to go back to, like, the A&M days to think about, one of those guys. So, uh, anywho, it's it's hard to find things that you respect about those guys in Crimson, other than the fact that they beat Texas three out of five years. It's it's completely fine. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, and until next time, hook him. Hook him. The answer is Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills.